0: please don't take off your shoes or socks. Uh, Just, I would like you to look at your feet and you know your feet very well. And on the scale of one to 10, I would like you, and 10 means beautiful. (coughs) Um, I wonder how many beautiful feet we have here today. And if you could listen as I read Romans 10, 14 and 15, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them, and how can they preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Let's pray. Lord, we're here only because of your grace and mercy, and because someone had beautiful feet, and they shared the good news. And Lord, we pray now that you will take your word, and your Holy Spirit will speak to us in a way that will cause us to be more the people who do your will, and think your ways and not our ways. So Lord, speak to us, help us today to make those decisions we need to make. To be your people that uh, bring glory to you. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. I want to share with you some scripture and some stories. Uh, those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, we did so because someone shared with us the good news. Somebody had beautiful feet. And for me, uh, growing up, in, uh, I went to a Sunday school class and I went to church and so seeds were planted. But actually, I never really heard in a way that I understood the good news until I went to a fellowship of Christian athlete national sports camp the summer after I graduated from high school. And there I heard Romans 3:23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I understood I was separated from God because of my sin. And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And my eyes were open that I need to go through Jesus to get to God. And then Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. And I realized I had never done that different times. I heard some knocking, but I never opened the door. And so I did that. I opened the door and I said, Jesus, will you come in? Will you forgive my sins? Will you take control of my life and use me? And then when I came back home, I tried to have beautiful feet by telling my family what happened to me, but I didn't do a very good job. And then I go to college a month later and I meet a group called the Navigators that help people to grow in their faith, and a guy named Don became like my spiritual father. And I remember those first couple of days in college, I go to the cafeteria, and I don't know these guys at the table, but I said, I'm going to pray. So I close my eyes, I put my head down, and a guy next to me says, Hey, are you okay? Do you have something in your eye? And I was too embarrassed to tell him stayed quiet and Don had a Bible study on our third floor in the first week and so I'm going to the Bible study and I'm walking on the floor if there was somebody coming this way I put my Bible over here I wasn't a very good witness and then they asked me to put up flyers that Billy Graham was going to speak And I said I would do it, and I went around to different dormitories at Ball State University. But before I put them up, I made sure nobody was watching. I was too shy about my faith. Now, a month later, the Navigators started a Wednesday night evangelism outreach in the dorms, looking for people who were open to talk about the Lord. I was scared but they paired me up with an older brother who had experience, and my job was just to listen and to learn and to pray. And so that was pretty good until a month later, guess what they said, now it's your turn. You're the one gonna interact, you're the one gonna share your faith now, and I got really scared again. But you know what, when, it, when we came back together as a group and we shared what happened, I was so excited trying to connect with people, sharing my story and Jesus' story. It was wonderful. And Peter and John said in in Acts chapter 4, verse uh, 20, they said, we cannot stop speaking about those things we have seen and heard. And when we're a follower of Jesus, it's something that's ingrained. It's there inside of us. But it takes time to come out. Also, I realized very quickly, you only can share what you know. You can't share what you don't know. And so God gave me a hunger for when I had quiet time in the morning, when I would do Bible study, and there are verses that I said, I want to learn these verses so then I can share with people. And, you know, you think about like the, the guy who was born blind. You can also share what you know and he was he was very simple he hadn't been to bible school he wasn't a theologian and he simply said i was blind but now i see and he told everyone that jesus was the one who healed him and so when we put our faith in jesus and we become one of his followers and jesus said in matthew chapter 4 verse 19 follow me and i will make you fishers and men and so that he wants not just the religiously trained people. He said, whoever is a follower, I want you to influence the lives of other people to bring them into my kingdom. It's everybody who's in this room who's put their faith in Christ. It's not just Pastor Mark. Jesus said, anyone who follows me, I will make you fishers of men." question is do we want to acknowledge him? Jesus said in Matthew 10 verse 32 and when I see someone share their faith I always share this verse with them. Matthew 10 verse 32 Jesus says if you acknowledge me before people I will acknowledge you before my father in heaven. And another verse Jesus says if you tell others you belong to me I will tell my Father in heaven that you are my followers. And the word acknowledge in the Greek means to confess, to declare, to admit, to tell plainly. It is a profession of an allegiance. And keep in mind, Jesus didn't say pastors, if you acknowledge me. He said, whoever acknowledges me. Don't you want Jesus to say, God, he's with me. He's with me. Well, are we willing to acknowledge in front of people I'm with Jesus instead of put your head down like I did <clears throat> one night my junior year um, ten guys rushed into my room and the dorm rooms are pretty small they're yelling and they're screaming they rush into my room and they're yelling what's the smallest verse in the Bible and I tell them John 11:35," and they run out and it was so strange. I'm wondering, what's going on? And I found out later the local campus radio station was giving free pizza to the first person to find out the smallest verse in the Bible. And all these ten guys, they all knew I was a follower of Jesus. So they said, go to Bob's room. Later my junior year, five guys who got drunk every weekend. They didn't get drunk during the week. We got classes, but they got drunk every weekend. These five guys came into my room, and they said, Bob, what do we have to do to go to heaven? Wow. And so I shared with them the good news. My feet were turning beautiful, you know. <laughs> and and ev- not right at this spot, but eventually all five guys came to the Lord. And that's just, that's God. That's God. Uh, By my senior year, so many people at Hearst Hall in the Follett Complex of Ball State University had heard about Jesus. God put it on my heart to take one of the guys in my Bible study, and we went to a different dorm. And when I moved to a different dorm, a guy said to me, he said, Are you the missionary that's coming? And I didn't know if that was good or bad, but I said, well, the words got out. Now, but all the stories aren't always positive. We don't always experience positive things. And there is one guy on the basketball team, for three years, I invited him to come to my Bible study. And he never once came. Now, we remained friends, but he never came. <clears throat> when I graduated, when I went for my graduation, that I thought, well, it's a, there's thousands of people that were graduating and it's gonna be a long ceremony. So God put on my heart to bring this track. This is the exact same one, it's not that one, but this is what it was looked like, bridge to life. And I said, well, who's ever, You know, my last name is Eshman, somebody else with an E on either side of me, maybe I can talk to them while we're there. And so I sat down and I looked at the podium where I'm gonna walk across the stage and, and shake the president's hand. And two rows up was the chairman of the board overseeing the university and God told me to give this to the chairman. And I started sweating. And I said, Lord, I can't give this to the chairman. He might get mad and not give me my diploma. And you have to understand when I was the person who's going walking there, thousands of people are watching you along with my dad and mom and my sister. But God said, give it to him. And so I'm human. If you cut me, I bleed just like everyone else. I'm nervous. And I tell the guy behind me, give me a little time. Don't walk up too fast because there's something I got to do. And he's looking at me strange. And so I go up and instead of coming to shake the president's hand, I go up two rows and I say, sir, this is for you. And I quickly come back down. And I shake the president's hand. He has a strange look on his face. And I go back and I sit down and I turn around and I look, and the guy is reading through this. He went through it, each page. Now, I don't know if he was a believer. I don't know if he became a believer, but I know 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 and 7 says that we can plant, we can water, but only God causes the growth. After I graduated, I lived in an apartment with a bunch of navigator guys and this one guy Pat and I shared a room with a bunk bed. And so we're in bed ready to go to sleep and all of a sudden Pat says, oh man. I said, what's the matter? He said, I forgot to tell anybody about Jesus today. So he got out of bed, put on his clothes. He went to a local bus stop, found somebody and shared the good news and came back to bed. And Pat had made a commitment Tell somebody about Jesus every day. Now, you you say, well, he clearly has a gift of evangelism. And you might say, Bob, I don't have that gift. (coughs) But do you know what 2 Timothy 4, 5 says? Do the work of an evangelist. We can't go like this. Well, that's just for those people who have the gift. Paul said, do the work of an evangelist. And I want you to listen to Colossians chapter four. I'm gonna read verse three to six. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Pray that I proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, we know that Jesus told the apostles to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But in Acts chapter 8, they're all still living in Jerusalem. Now, listen to verse 1 in chapter 8. Until a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered. Verse 4 says, those that had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And again, I don't want us when we hear preach, you think of someone out of the pulpit who's been trained to do this. That word preach in the Greek actually just simply means tell, or share, or proclaim. All of us can tell things. We tell things all the time. Things we shouldn't tell, you know, and yet it it, it says those who had been scattered. These are some of my heroes in the Bible. We don't even know their name. Those who had been scattered talked about Jesus wherever they went. They had beautiful feet. I lived in Colorado Springs for a year where the Navigator headquarters are to get training, and I volunteered at a boys club in kind of a rough area town. And there were prostitutes that hung out right on the corner of this boys' club. And I would see cars go by and people would yell, you're going to hell, and just terrible things they'd say to these ladies. And I said, somebody should share with them. And I asked some of my friends, and nobody wanted to. And I had people praying for me, and I would never suggest a guy do this on their own. But I went you know, during daylight times, and I tried talking to them about the Lord. And they weren't interested. So I thought, what are they interested in? And it's not sex, it's money. And so I said, well, let me see if I can talk to them about what Jesus has to say about money. And guess what? They were very interested. And so you try to connect with people. When I went to Egypt, 90% of the people in Egypt are Muslim. So at first I thought, what does the Quran and the Bible say in common? And let me start off a conversation that way. And then when I find people that have more interest, I can share more scripture with them. And when I went to Ethiopia, I would play ping pong and pool and basketball, and I became friends with guys. And then we'd go out and we'd have tea together, and I would share my testimony. And many of these guys are Orthodox background, but they don't have a Bible. So when I saw they had more interest, I'd get them Bibles, and we would go further. First, uh, First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. Says I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. In Chicago, where I go to a dry cleaners, the owner is a woman from Mexico, and as I'm going regularly to this dry cleaners, getting conversations as I'm taking my clothes and picking up, found out she had a young son. So I told her when my kids were young, I got this book that had Bible stories, and I would read it to them. And she's from a Catholic background, and you know when I told her that, you know what she said? Could you get me this book? And so I went that same day, went down to Moody Bookstore, and I got her the same book. And she told me for years she read those stories to her son. And I go to a guy who cuts my hair from Albania. And Albania used to be a communist country. And we became very good friends. I got him a Bible in his language. And we have discussions together that are mutually encouraging, you know. And uh, Psalm chapter 93 well <clears throat> first I uh, I want to ask you a question would you would you raise your hand if you know what this is? If you know what this is, would you raise your hand And if you don't then maybe you got to get better glasses all right thank you all right. <coughs> And so, <clears throat> when, I went, when I went to Morocco, when I went to Morocco, and every large city, Fez, uh, Marrakesh, Casablanca, they all knew what Coca-Cola was. I went to small towns, they knew what Coca-Cola was. I went to villages, and these villages, they knew what Coca-Cola was. In less than 100 years, people desire to make money have made Coca-Cola known. But do you know in over 2,000 years, followers of Jesus haven't made him known there. Do you hear what I'm saying? People made Coca-Cola known everywhere in Morocco, but Jesus' followers have yet to make him known. Psalm chapter 96, verse 3, says, Declare his glory among the nations. Make known his marvelous deeds among the peoples. God has brought many nations to Chicago. They're around us. And there's a grocery store where roomby and I go, and I've gotten very close with three guys. Two of them are from Palestine and one's from Egypt. And I love these guys. I want to see them coming to Jesus. Now, most people who come from a Muslim background, a Buddhist background, or a Hindu background, they hear the word Christian and they think it's negative. Even many secular people today, the word Christian is a negative word. I don't know if you've noticed today intentionally, I never said that word and the word Christian is only in the Bible three times. The first time is in Acts chapter 11, where outsiders said they were first called Christians in Antioch, and then the second time is in Acts chapter 26, where King Agrippa says to Paul, kind of flippantly, you think you can make me a Christian in such a short time? And the third time is in first Peter chapter four where it talks about Christians going through persecution. And, and so, you know, this might shock somebody, but there's no place in the Bible where it says we have to become a Christian to get to heaven. Don't misquote me. There's no verse in the Bible that says we have to be a Christian. There's many hundreds of verses that say we have to believe in Jesus. We have to put our faith in him as our Messiah, as our Savior and our Lord. But if those things are a hindrance, that word is a hindrance to people from a Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu background, or secular people, why use the word Christian? It's much more biblical to say believer. Think about that. When God gives you a chance to interact with somebody. I want to close with an amazing story. In 2 Kings chapter 6 and chapter 7, and I want to put the situation, Israel is in a walled city. And they're surrounded by an invading army. Nothing goes in, nothing goes out. And the people are actually starving to death. They're dying. And this is Second Kings chapter 7. I'm going to start at verse 3. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we're going into the city, the famine is there and we will die. If we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Armenians and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Armenians. When they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there, for the Lord had caused the Armenians to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys and they left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried away silver, gold, and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. Verse 9. They said to each other, we're not doing right. This is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. At first, these men heard and experienced the good news. They were overjoyed, somebody with leprosy, Getting all the food and drink and clothes and gold you could have, that's a miracle. Then they go in another tent, and then it hit them. We're doing wrong. We have this message, and we're keeping it to ourselves. Now, if you have put your faith in Jesus, you're born again, you're a new creation, but you really haven't been telling people about Jesus, I want to invite you publicly to come forward. And to make a commitment to the Lord that you want to acknowledge him before people. If you can say, yes, Bob, I want to tell my family, I want to tell my friends, my co-workers, people I run into regularly, I want to tell them about Jesus more than I have. Would you come forward now? And I will pray with you. When the, angel, when the angel said to the shepherds, I bring you good news, and the shepherds saw Jesus, and the shepherds went and told other people. When a Samaritan woman was touched by Jesus, she went and told people in her town about Jesus, and they came. If you feel there's more that you can do, and with God's help, with the church's help, that you want to start telling people more about Jesus than what you are now, would you come forward? Why God wants to use us, someone who's messed up as me, but He does. He wants us to be His ambassador. Let's pray together. Jesus, I know I have to first confess how much I've been like these men with leprosy. I've learned so many wonderful things about you. You've done so many amazing things in my life. And yet, how often do I keep quiet? And Lord, so we confess that before you. You've given us a tongue to talk and to share this good news. Help us, Lord, to be your light, to be your testimony. Help us, give us wisdom not just to run around saying something that's, that's not wise. Give us, as Paul asks, an open door that we know this clearly is what you want us to do to share with this brother or sister, with this worker, with this person at the grocery store, in a taxi. Lord, loosen our tongues. And Lord, we pray that each of us will fill ourselves with your word. Even Jeremiah, when he said, I tried not to speak of him anymore, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I couldn't hold it in anymore. So, Lord, use your word to stir us, to share the good news, to people that are lost, that are hurting. Jesus, you said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Allow us, Lord, by your grace and mercy, help us to be workers in your kingdom with you. We want to bring you glory, we want to help you, but we need your help, Lord. And we ask this, use us, Lord, use us, help us, in the name of Jesus, amen.